So as soon as you figure out that the best customers are all buying betting, then you make that a priority on your site. Like betting's on the homepage. Betting is the one that worked into your engagement campaigns where every new visitor who comes to the site gets educated about betting. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hello, it's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy, and it's time for episode 94 of the McMethod Email Marketing Podcast. We're getting close to it. Episode 100. I've actually got a special surprise coming for you at episode 100, so stay tuned for that. Now, uh, this is the podcast where you'll discover, I used to be saying one simple thing, how to make money every time you send an email, but I think the new tune I'm going with is uh, is that this is really just about marketing. Yes, it's focused on email, and yes, it's called the Email Marketing Podcast, but this is all just marketing fundamentals, okay? And is, uh, is a lot of guys out there, a lot of famous uh, successful coaches out there are famous of saying is repetition is the mother of skill. I know a few people who say that, and uh, and that's why it's good when you listen to podcasts like this to do it over and over again because you really grind you know you grind in those fundamentals about marketing and sales and how to get more customers. So it might feel like oh I've heard this before or you know I already know how to write copy or write emails or send emails to my list. But sometimes with these kind of things and this is how I look at it with conferences and conversations and things like that is if you can just get one idea, one simple idea which might be ten seconds worth of material in a podcast or a conference or whatever it is, one single thing, that could make a huge difference in your business and in your life. Okay, one single thing that you implement. Okay, and that's why learning is such a such an amazing thing. So you gotta have that empty beginner's mind, I think the Zen monks call it. Anyway, enough philosophizing, philosophying. Today I'll be talking to Drew Sanoki about some advanced email marketing strategies for e-commerce retailers. So Drew emailed me, oh, it must have been like a year ago, a year and a half ago, and I wanted to do a podcast because he built a taken an e-commerce retailer and done some like pretty damn advanced email marketing stuff with them. Like sort of automating the emails, really uh, segmenting the list very well. But it's just automating the whole thing. So it happened automatically uh, and, uh, and you know, dramatically increased the lifetime value of the, uh, of the customers that came through that store. So I uh, brought him on, took a while. He got caught up with some other stuff and I got caught up with some other stuff. But now he's come back and he's ready to share what he did to grow that store. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have an e-commerce store, this one is for you. To get the show notes for this episode of the Email Marketing Podcast, go to themcmethod.com slash 94. Now, this week's McMaster's Inside of the Week is really, really simple, but a lot of people, even me, like, I forget about this. Sometimes it's hard. This is a fundamental idea, though. Here it is. Always give away value in your emails. Now, this applies to in your marketing as well, but the thing is, you want to leave someone better than you found them. When someone reads your email, when someone reads your sales page, when someone listens to your radio ad, when someone gets on a sales call with you or even reads a blog post, before you start to pitch them, before you start to say, hey, look, I got this great product and you should buy it, you want them to subconsciously feel like they got some value from that email, okay? Here's an example. One of my emails that I send out is, uh, it's called the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing, okay? So I open the email like, oh, this is one word that's, that's you know that underlies everything in marketing. If you can nail this one single thing, this seven-letter word, everything else is going to be easier. You know what that word is? Empathy. Now, what's empathy? Empathy means you want to understand them. You've really got to dive deep into your prospects, hopes, dreams, fears, problems, desires. And when you know that, you can translate that into amazing copy, which is really going to inspire and drive the marketing that you do. But without that, it's all going to fail, okay? Now, if you want to learn how to use empathy properly, right, you need to, you know, I've got a couple couple different surveys you can use, including 10 specific questions that you need to ask every 
prospect before you start trying to sell to them. And that, those questions and that's those surveys, they're available inside my product right here. Click here to sign up. Okay, so that's an example of an email. Uh, I just made that up then, so it's not that's not exactly what it says, but the idea is that first I give them the value, which is that you need to have empathy. Next, I explain what empathy is. So I'm sort of just fleshing it out a bit, you know, just making sure that value is there. So that even if someone reads that email and doesn't buy a single thing or even unsubscribes from that email, at the very least, they know, if they decide to believe it, but they know that empathy is important. They've gotten that piece of value and they don't need to pay me, they don't need to do anything, they don't need to click anything to get the value, okay? And then there's a pitch. So you, you want to do this in your sales letters as well. In any sort of marketing you put out there, offer some value before you pitch. Give away a tip, give away some advice and then pitch. Use that to transition into the pitch. Give them the what. Oh, em- what do you need to do? You need to have empathy. How do you do it? Buy this product. Okay, so always, always leave people better than you found. I mean, everything you do. This applies to your sales calls. Get on your sales call, if you do sales calls, and just blow your prospect away with all the value, all the you know advice you're giving them about what they can do in their specific situation. And then obviously, if they're a good prospect and you've qualified them properly, they're going to hire you anyway, because there's no way they're going to want to do all this hard work themselves. Okay, So that's it for now. The last thing is reviews. I keep, uh, I've been going on about this a little bit lately, but... Uh, you know, like I said last week, I loved, I love reviews, and I will eat them for breakfast. They just make me so happy, put a massive smile on my face. So uh, you know, when I, I wake up in the morning, and uh, you know, there's a new podcast review, and I, I jump up, up and down on my bed like it's a trampoline, do a few backflips, that kind of thing. <laughs> Seriously. Anyway, let's. Uh, that's enough. That's enough of that fun. Let's get into this uh, interview with Mr. Drew Sanoki. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. I'm here with Drew Sanoki. Now, uh, Drew came to me via email. I think it must have been almost two years ago. Uh, he'd been listening to the podcast, and, and it turns out he's an email guy himself. And he actually built a, uh, a big e-commerce retailer uh, online, and they, they happened to use a ton of email marketing in that in a really advanced way. With they did a lot of segmentation and targeting, some RFM analysis. So uh, break, you know, a way of breaking down the database to uh, figure out who to mail, what to mail them, all that sort of stuff. So we chatted way back two years ago about doing a podcast together on this, and we went <laughs> went back and forth. And I think I followed up a few times and said I keep following up, and then eventually I stopped following up, and nothing really happened. Then he emailed me out of the blue a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week or two ago, and said, "Hey, I'm back. I've got this new website, and we're doing this e-commerce stuff. You want to get on the phone and have a chat?" So here we are doing a uh, a podcast. On on uh, some of the, the advanced, I'm going to say the advanced email marketing strategies he used with uh, his e-commerce retailer and then the consulting clients that he's working with today. So that's what we're going to talk about. Drew, how are you going, man? Doing well. I think when I reached out to you, I said, I got this new kid, not not I got this new course, <laughs> because the kid is the reason why I kind of fell off the map for, for uh, two years there. As anybody who has had a kid would know. <laughs> Brings you to your to your knees for Brings like two years, knees. but now I'm I'm back in the world again. But it feels good, right? Oh, it feels great. Yeah. I mean, having the kid or being back in the world again. Oh, both well, those both, things feel both, good. Both those things yeah. feel good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll talk about some of the nitty gritty in a minute. Before we do that, can you give the listener a uh, a bit of a, a quick background on you know who is Drew and what has he done and what does he do? Sure thing. My name is Drew Sanaki. And I live in New York City. About uh, in 2003, I started an online retailer called designpublic.com. I grew that for about 10 years. I sold it in 2012. And after that, I started uh, consulting to mostly private equity and venture firms on e-commerce and, and online marketing. That's where I am today. I blog at uh, drewsanaki.com, mostly talk about marketing and uh, e-commerce. Okay. Very quick. And now you've just actually found out you've got a course that you're doing as well, right? I do. I found that uh, 
Well, John, as, as you and I know, we talked about this just a little bit before we got on the air, but um, I email marketing drove my online retailer. And I found that I was using the, the same techniques that I implemented at my retailer at every consulting and coaching client I worked with. So in an effort to kind of open the doors and, and, and release that, uh, those techniques to, uh, to more people, I started a, uh, an online course called Powerhouse Campaigns. And it's a five-week workshop that will bring you through everything you need to know about email marketing for retailers. Should add that it's it is targeted a little bit for retailers, but I guess it applies to to anybody. Right, right, okay, yeah. It's sort of like it's. A, I mean, email and even marketing. When you get sort of the, the fundamental understanding, you can apply it. When you get it, you can really apply it anywhere to any type of business online. Yeah, it's you know it's it's like the power of the power of having a big list, hmm. and then saying, you know, I need, I need more revenue or I want to, I want to drill down. And what I like the most about email is that when we started our retailer, we were a dropship retailer. We sold pretty much the same thing that two or three other retailers sold. And, you know, you'd add something to your homepage and your competitors would copy it, or you'd find a new product to carry. And like within months, your competitors had it. Yeah. And it was killing me. Like the, that was killing me because, you know, you'd go to bed with just like this pit in your stomach, like, what are, what are, you know, are the, are the competitors on sale today? Like, how do I need to react to that? And what kind of liberated me from that, from that cycle of that, that competitive cycle was email marketing, because you can look at your, you can build that permission asset, right? Like you build that asset of email addresses and then you can segment and target it in different ways. And it's sort of a one-to-one relationship between you and that, you and that customer, you and that subscriber that is really hard for any competitor to kind of duplicate. And for us, it really led to growth. I know for other retailers, their main frustration was something like Google SEO, like relying entirely on one marketing channel. And uh, an email is, again, like another solution there where it just really can diversify your acquisition and uh, and conversion channels. Right. What I'd like to know before we get into some of the nitty-gritty is, uh, and I'm sure the listeners curious too, where, or when I find with this stuff, I, I did a podcast this morning actually with, with a guy and it was very technical, really great information. But I, you know, I was thinking there is, you know, imagine that someone might be listening to this and then maybe their eyes are glazing over a bit just because it's a, it's a lot of info and it's a bit like, why does this matter? So before we get into the nitty gritty, why does, like, I mean, why does this matter? How, how, like, let's bring it down to earth. What, like, clear benefits did it have to, to your business, to your lifestyle, to, uh, you know, whether you were able to fall asleep at night, um, <laughs> If you can share, you know, I don't know if you can share like how much money it added to the, you know, what sort of numbers it did for you. What's sure? Why should people someone be? Uh, why should someone be excited about this? The biggest benefit, which I did not expect, when you go to sell your retailer, they want to know how many names are on your list, right? Like, and how many are active. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't build it with that intent, but now that I'm working more with private equity and venture firms, like that's how retailers get bought. You know, they get bought for the list and. I'm sure the same thing is true for any, you know, for content marketers or for information marketers. It's like, it's all about the list size. You know, that's, if you want to sell your company, you got to grow that asset. So I think that's, that's probably the biggest benefit. But, you know, year to year or, or month to month, week to week, email was driving probably 15 to, to 15% of our new customer sales. The conversion rates from our email list were three times higher than the conversion rates from from paid acquisition or from SEO or from social. Hmm. So totally converted. I think we were averaging about a, a dollar per subscriber per email sent, uh, which was really high. Yeah. And 
you know, for certain emails, not for not for every campaign, but certain campaigns would often bring us up to like nine dollars per per email sent, which is just incredible. So it's like it's cash money. And and the nice thing about email is you can automate all this stuff, right? Like, <laughs> yep. you know, you're not beholden to 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 Google. You're not you know obligated to come up with crazy new blog posts that go viral or like you know some of the viral news sites do now. Like, like email marketing just works with you know a free email service provider like like uh, Mailchimp or you know one like Aweber. You can you can automate eighty to ninety percent of your email program and just it runs day and night. And and that's what I loved about it the most. Yeah. Yeah. And what about the tech side of it? I mean, it sounds like you might be a bit of a techie guy. What if someone's not a techie, per- like a, a technical person? Is this something they're going to be able to do either themselves or arrange with their team to do? Absolutely not. I'm joking. No, of <laughs> course. <it's>, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely not, which is why you need to take my class, powerhousecampaigns.com. Uh, no, it's it, 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 I, I teach this in the class, but it, it is like it's something you can do yourself with a spreadsheet. You know, I'm, that's the most common question I get is like, okay, well, what technology do I need here? To, you know, what SaaS app do I need to help me out? And yeah, those things could make it easier. But I think the principles behind it are sort of universal and easily understood and easy to implement with, like I mentioned, MailChimp and Aweber. They're probably the two biggest that people use. But both those feature automation and I think I think they're pretty easy to set up. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. The, you just mentioned the principles. If you can get... The principle, I mean, like, and I'm big on this too. People say, well, what's the best you know, email autoresponder provider? Is that there's, if they can just find the right software, well, everything will just be fine. Yeah, everything dandy. works. But it's just not how it works, right? I mean, it's not, it's not a bad thing. I think, you know, we all do it, right? We all like, we're all nervous. We're all afraid of failure and we're all insecure about, you know, to some extent in some way. Fear plays a part in all of our lives. And so we create this, I find I do it. And this, this feels like one of those things where it's like focus on the software when, it's not the issue. The software doesn't really matter. There's plenty of great software solutions out there. What you really need to understand is the, I guess, the marketing, in this case, the marketing fundamentals, the principles underlying it, and then you can use whatever tool you like. Right, right. Yeah. You know, you- and the big, I think the biggest principle or the best principle is, is uh, relevance. You know, it's just sending the right message to the right person at the right time. Okay. I mean, that's, that's pretty simple. We could just end the podcast right here. There you go. Relevance. <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> so, I mean, but to expound on that, I, I, I think there's probably, you know, when people hear segmentation and targeting, which really is what relevance is, right? Um, their eyes either glaze over or they think, man, that means, you know, I got to, at least in retail, that means I got to send each customer the exact product that, you know, they want on the day they want it that's related to their previous purchase. And that probably requires big data to figure out what those things are. And, you know, I, I think that the big companies like Amazon's there, like they do that, but it, you don't really need to start there. Like you get 70 to 80% of probably the predictive power that Amazon has just by, by some basic level of increased relevance right. for, you know, and I can give you some examples. I think everybody needs an engagement campaign. You know, this is the campaign, uh, the goal of which is to turn your new site visitors into customers, right? So in e-commerce, 98% of people who go to your site on any one day bounce. So, you know, average e-commerce conversion rate's 2%. Like, what if you could get that 2% to 4%? And the way you do it is by collecting someone's email address and then selling to them over time, you know, building up trust, maybe introducing some of your products and uh, ultimately having a call to action that they so they buy something. You know, that's an engagement campaign. And I think... It's just what we've done is taken all the possible customer segments out there 
and we focused in on one, and it's the the new site visitors, and then developed an email campaign just for them. Right. So tell me about that. Like, let's say, like I'm on the uh, the site that you mentioned earlier, and there's a pop up for uh, get the newsletter save five percent. How do you suggest if someone's listening to this and they have a store, what sort of campaign are they going to say? How many? Like, how are they going to? You know, what, what's the pop up offer going to be to get someone onto the list in the first place? And how many emails? And what are the emails going to be about to engage the people on that list? Yeah, I like I like to br- break an e-commerce uh, engagement campaign down into three parts. It's the lead magnet which you mentioned, it's a little bit of value that you give up in exchange for the email address. Then there's the welcome sequence, which is anywhere from, you know, two to five days worth of emails that go out over time to sort of educate and inform and build up trust. And then there's the call to action at the end. And as far as what I see working for lead magnets, see, the the quickest and easiest in e-commerce is a discount. So 10% off your first purchase or free shipping on your first purchase. But you don't have to start there. Other things work really well too. I, I think things like a free guide, a downloadable guide, or or uh, a lookbook where you can where you can see the products in action, or even um, some some increased service offerings like you know call and get a free consultation. Uh, these are all things that I see e-commerce retailers that that don't want to go straight to dis- to discounting using really well. Yeah. I mean, there's an element where, like, you know, I've been to sites. If I'm not ready to purchase, or I'm not even sure if I want to buy from that site, I'm not going to be interested in a five percent off. I'm not in, like that discount's right. not going to matter matter to me until I'm right. like I'm going to buy something. But until that point happens, then it's going to I'm going to be more interested in some sort of article or report, some sort of cool information, kind of like a hook, something catchy totally. that's going to make you think, yeah. oh wow, I got to know what that is. Yeah, you know, and I think most retailers underestimate subsidy cost and subsidy cost is a cost that it that that you're it's like money you're giving away to create an incentive where the customer didn't need that incentive like certain a certain percentage of the customers would buy anyway and yet you're sending them a 10% off coupon so you're losing 10% margin there so what can you do on the creative side to get away from that you know 10% discount can you how do you, how do you get that person excited to buy you know what what kind of information or content do you give that person or increased service that isn't necessarily 10% off. Right, right. And so what happens in, in you know, when you send out these emails, you two to five days worth of emails, tell, like what's exactly going on in those emails? You know, I, I might, I know how I would do it, but how would you do it? Are you saying like, hey, welcome, you know, here's a cool tip, you know, we're going to send you a few more tips or something or by the way, like are you talking about the company itself or are you talking about the products or are you telling stories? Yeah, I mean, this is where it gets sort of business specific but what i've seen work is you know you could introduce the ceo and, and talk a little bit about what the company's about in the first email you know maybe in the second email you profile some of your top products uh and in the third email um some customer testimonials and sort of profiles of how people are using the product you know for more complicated products maybe it's a little bit more on the educational side about you know how you'd use the product what it does but maybe more on the if it's if it's a lifestyle product or an impulse buy, then maybe you're just showing some some cool images uh, from Instagram or something of like your product in different settings. Right. So it really it's really retailer specific, but um, I think the overall purpose is just build up trust, introduce that visitor to some top offerings you have, uh, some of the more popular offerings you have, and really just to get that initial sale. Yeah. I think what's really cool here is this, I mean, I come back to this a lot because I've done, this will be podcast number, probably episode 93 or 94 or something like that. And uh, it's amazing that there's always something to talk about, but it always comes back to the fundamentals. Like in this case, have something, you know, offer, you know, you basically give something up 
to get their email address. That's your lead magnet, whether it's a discount or an ebook or a report or get something. And then you're really just building trust, build a relationship, and then you sell them stuff. That's, I mean, that's all there is to it. Yep. yep. So, no, it's, uh, you know, it goes back. I think I read Seth Godin's Permission Marketing yeah. my first year in business. And that just, I mean, he talks about all that stuff. And if you're looking for a place to start, I really like that book. But, yeah. um, you know, that's, that's what he's talking about. Right. Just building up, turning, turning strangers into friends and friends into customers is, right. I think, how he puts it. But I think uh, there's this classic thing, and we would call it analysis paralysis, where it's easy to kind of think, especially when you're a beginner or, or when you're, you're not even necessarily a beginner, but learning something new for the first time. So it might have been in business for a while, but you know, now now's the first time you're doing email. It's easy to start, I think, where you need to read and think and do another product. And you know, you go on someone's site, it might be mine or it might be someone else's, where there's like seven incredibly weird tips on how to get you know, sky-high open rates, you know, just hooks like that. Which, yeah, it's interesting and it matters. And, you know, I use this stuff. I'm a copywriter, so I'll use this to get people onto my list. But at the end of the day, once you get past the copy and once you get past the marketing speak, it really does boil down to just fundamentals, this whole thing, just basic yep. basic stuff that anyone can understand. And you really just, instead of, you know, going through more products and more courses and more this and more that, just sit down and just, just start, how can I build more trust? How can I get more email addresses? Just basic, basic stuff. Yeah. I think you're dropping money. Yeah. <laughs> Playing with money, man. That's what I do. <laughs> we just play with money on this podcast. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think that's. I think that's what the uh, the def- you know definition of an entrepreneur is building something with limited time and resources. And I think that last part is key. Like every entrepreneur I know has limited time and resources. There are only so many hours in the day. You know, you only have so much money in your bank account. So don't get hung up on information. I, you know, don't spend the week just reading blog posts and hacks and you know the 20 hacks for this and the 30 hacks for that. Like absorb the principles and then just start executing. And in in the process of executing, you're going to learn. Yeah. Like that. That's probably my number one recommendation to a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah, I've, I go by a motto. Uh, it's from Mark Zuckerberg. I say move fast and break shit. I don't think he's smart, yeah, but that's yeah. what I like. And um, I found with me, like, I, you know, I haven't studied copywriting, you know, with the handwriting exercises is the way I started. And that's the way a lot of people do it. I haven't actually done it in a long time. I recommend it to people. But you learn, like, I, I've learned so much through writing, I don't know how, I've probably hundreds, if not thousands of emails to, you know, my own business and for clients. And you learn so much more when you actually start using the stuff you're learning. Yeah, yeah. I can't tell you, like, this was the first, this Powerhouse Campaigns was the first class I've launched. And just, you know, you can only read so much about how to launch a class until you go do it and yep. build out your, your own marketing funnel and see people going through it. Yep. And just see, you know, you see what they react to. And like, I had the class going in one direction and all the feedback I was getting was about something else. So I just added a module on that. And it's just like, you can do that kind of, you're not going to learn that, you know, sitting in your office unless you have launched something. Right. Right. Well, let's dive into, I mean, we've talked about some of this advanced stuff. So setting up the, like a, a, I guess a front end engagement campaign, that'd be like the basic thing. What else can someone do here? What else was working for you when you were doing the retailer stuff? Yeah. I mean, when you think about it more advanced, you're thinking, you know, you picture your conversion funnel and sort of at the top, you've got all your acquisition efforts and then you get down to your conversion efforts. And then there's this big piece after conversion, which is retention. And that's where it gets advanced. And I think it's probably less relevant if you're just starting out, but that's where, you know, because you need, in order to do retention, you need customers, right? You need like a big customer database um, in order to start retaining those customers. If you're just starting out, you know, it'd be nice to know, but um, maybe a little bit less relevant. But, um, you know, that probably the best thing we did for retention was to start segmenting and targeting our our current customers 
And the way we did that, this was like in 2003 or 2004, <clears throat> I was looking at how to retain customers online and there was nothing written about this stuff. So I, I kind of fell back to reading about the catalog business. And you know, the catalog business has been around since the 50s. And these guys pioneered a whole way of doing cohort analysis, a whole way of profiling your customers and figuring out who was going to buy, who wasn't, how to retain them. Out of that business came three metrics, recency, frequency, and monetary value, or RFM. And using those three metrics, you can build out all sorts of uh, triggered email programs to increase your retention. Um, recency st stands for how recently has the customer purchased from you or you know, downloaded a product or logged in or you know, visited your site. Frequency is the, num the total number of times that action has happened, and monetary value is just the total revenue you've generated off that person. Okay. Okay. And so like what you, I mean what you mentioned a long time ago, I'm just bringing up your email that I've got here. You were doing so you did the cohort you used the RFM to do basically cohort analysis and to, and figure out who to send these targeted promotions to. So you could figure out who was defecting, so who was bailing from the brand and how to hit up like take your, you know, hit people out with like custom sequences based on like when you bring in the order history and the customer data, so really we're talking about like increasing lifetime value, and this is a big topic. Um, you know, the, I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago, and this is a big topic. The, the opening guy, Rob Walling, who's also been on this podcast, he did. Um, this is what he's talking about: lifetime value. And I have this thing where I like to break down business into you know two things: you got lifetime value, and then cost per acquisition, and then your profit, and that's that's the whole thing. So you, you know, yeah, that's exactly that's that's the equation I use <laughs> with like everybody. It's, it's like so your simple. CLV has to be greater than. You know, CAC, customer lifetime value has to be greater than cost per, to acquire that customer. Right. But when you break it down like that, it's like the goal of business then is to lower your acquisition costs and increase your lifetime value. And that's it. Everything needs to be geared to those it. two things. Yeah. And before, you know, you hear the term product market fit a lot. In, in my opinion, it's you're, you're, you are testing everything, every marketing channel possible until you find one where you can drive customers profitably, which means, you know, the lifetime value of them is higher than it whatever it costs to acquire them, that's product market fit. Now that you have that, you can scale up and, you know, optimize that equation a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned doing, uh, let's see, so you mentioned doing like a custom email sequence on say beds or something like that where you would use, like talk to me about some of the campaigns that you would, so you've broken up the database. Sure. And what sort I of campaigns what, were you sending? This is for, you know, if, if you're listening to the podcast and you have a pretty sizable database of customers. And when I say customers, I'm talking retail, but this applies to a content site. And instead of customers, use the word readers, you know, or whatever, or, yeah. you know, forum members. It's, so it's universal. It's not just e-commerce. But the, you want to think of two things. First is photography, and the second is motion pictures. One is a snapshot, and one is a video. So let's start with the snapshot. The snapshot is you look at your, all your customers. You can divide them into good ones and bad ones. Not all customers are created equally, right? So some customers are your best customers. They're the ones who are going to buy a lot from you or, you know, they're more recent. They were, they were active just last week. Um, they don't return things. You know, if you're running a content site, they are really high engagement, like time on site, and they click on a lot of different pages and things like that. And then you've got your bad customers. Your bad customers, maybe they haven't been on the site for a year, so very low recency. Maybe they only ordered once and then they returned it or they took up a lot of customer service time or something like that. So the first step is to, using RFM, you, you break out the good group from the bad group, and then you look at what the good group has in common. The good group often will have bought from one product category, or it will have you know, one or two 
acquisition channels in common that are very different from the bad customers. So you talk about this modern betting course, like we looked at our customer base, we took that snapshot and we figured out, hey, all the best customers are buying betting. You know, betting is high margin. They buy a lot of it, you know, and they buy frequently. You get a really high M or total sales per customer. And maybe, I don't remember what the bad customers are, but maybe the bad customers all bought like bet, oh, uh, beds, furniture or something. So furniture, like lower margin, expensive, you know, hard to ship. Right. And maybe people don't like furniture as much, so they don't buy as much. So as soon as you figure out that the best customers are all buying betting, then you make that a priority on your site. Like betting's on the homepage. Betting is the one that has, that's worked into your engagement campaigns where every new visitor who comes to the site gets educated about betting and how to buy it and why to buy it. You know, because we know that betting produces really good customers. So that's just a great way to work with that snapshot. Right, right. I like that idea too. I mean, obviously, I'm sure that someone like Amazon and some of the big retailers, this is all an automatic algorithm that calculates what's working and then that rotates that. That's what's coming up. But uh, this is something that, so you're taking an existing database that you've already got, breaking it down by this, looking for common trends, and then using those, once you understand those trends, then going and optimizing. I mean, not just the website, but we were talking before we even uh, you know, started this podcast today about uh, maybe you find that all, you know, some of the best customers all come from fa- a Facebook campaign to a certain audience. So you go back, you're like, well, how can we double our advertising channel, triple it or quadruple it on that audience on that advertising campaign, right? Yeah, not only that, they come from specific keywords and AdWords. Like it, you can really get into the weeds on this if you want to. Yeah. So the two, you know, when you found your group of best customers, the two things you should look at next are marketing acquisition channels, like which ones drove them, and then, you know, content or categories on your site, like what did they do when they got there? Those two things really correlate highly with driving good customers. Yeah. I like it, man. What are some other examples of what you've done with uh, like the betting things? Do you have any other examples like that? Yeah. So I said there were two ways. When you get a customer list, there are two things you do. You look at the snapshot and then you look at the motion picture. The motion picture is like, okay, how is this changing over time? And one of the most powerful ways to, to look at that is called like a customer life cycle. So customers aren't always customers. You know, when you get into a brand, if you get into clothing from Bonobos, you know, you may order from them a lot as you're really into it. Like, I love the brand. It's really, it fits me really well. And then, um, you know, three or four months later, your engagement decelerates and you stop, eventually you stop ordering and you're no longer a customer. You know, this is why active members of your database or active members of your list are way more important than the total number, right? Like, so customers assume that they follow that life cycle where they they really get into it. They're learning. They're, they're engaging with your brand. It accelerates and then eventually it decelerates. So that's the motion picture. When you can look at your transactions and you can figure out that customers are on the decline, if they're defecting, if they're no longer remaining a customer, that's a great time to pull them back. You, you do what's called tripwire marketing. You set up a tripwire that triggers uh, when a customer is defecting and maybe sends them a win back promotion to bring them back to your site. An example at my retailers, imagine customers are ordering every 30 days on average, and it does get pretty predict. It does get pretty, there, there's a value out there. Like when you look at your, if you run a forum, you'll see that, okay, maybe customers are logging in every, every seven days on average. Well, what if it's gotten to, you know, 14 or 21 days and they haven't logged in? You know, this is really big in a SaaS product. Like what if they haven't logged into the admin in, in 21 days? Then then they're probably defecting. Like that person is finding less value from your product and you're going to lose that customer. So it's super effective to go back to that customer 
a little bit proactively and ask, you know, and ask why. Maybe give them a coupon to come back and experience your product again. It's called a win back campaign, and that's um, it can be automated in a lot of different email software, and and it's a it's super high return. I like that. I'm I'm making notes here right now in Evernote, thinking about how I can apply this to the uh, the community that I have. I yeah, it's probably it's probably the highest ROI thing you can do on on the email side, and it's because think about it. Like you've already paid to acquire that customer. You right. know your your content marketing worked, or your your paid search worked, or whatever it is. You know they already were a good customer at one point. They liked your brand, and yet you're losing them here. So it's you know, you always hear that expression, it's cheaper to, uh, you know, retain a customer than to acquire a new one. But this is kind of what it boils down to. Like, if you can find that person who is defecting from your product and bring them back, it's a super high return marketing effort. Right. You what, know, and what would go be ahead. The, what would be the difference between, like, say I've got this community called McMasters, right? And people are signed up in there to learn about how to see, make you know, grow their business with email marketing. Let's say someone hasn't signed up in there for, it hasn't logged in in 14 days. I have, let's say, let's say a weekly email goes out to people who, you know, to members saying, here's some of the new threads and the new stuff going on. Maybe they log in that way. So they're, they're getting at least one email a week. They may, I'm going to be adding more to the autoresponders. I'm getting probably two emails a week as customers. But so you're saying, well, would that work for the Winback thing? Or should I have like a custom campaign tailored to people who haven't logged in since 14 days saying, say, hey, you haven't logged in in 14 days. You might want to check out XYZ. Yeah, I mean, the first, one of the first things you could do is just reach out to them individually and ask like, Hey, what you know? I noticed you haven't logged in. Like, what's going on? Because I want you got to get the sense of like, why are they defecting? Do they find the information no longer useful, or um, is it you know has, does it have something to do with the product? And and maybe start addressing more of the structural problems there. Uh, but I, like I you know I would do it as a separate campaign. If you even within email, if you watch your list, you'll see that engagement accelerates. You know, people open more emails, click on more links. For a certain period of time, and then you know that tapers off, and uh, you, you're ultimately like just filtered, and people never read your emails anymore. So the key is finding like where is that deceleration happening, and what can you do to to reengage that person? Yeah, yeah, I like this. You know, re- retail makes it easy because you could you could send out a coupon at that point um, to come back. Right. You know, it's a little bit more challenging for a content business, uh, but it's certainly you can. This is a great place to use remarketing and retargeting. I know it's not email marketing exactly, but you know, if people aren't opening your emails anymore, you can bring them back to the site using remarketing. Well, this is one of those fascinating things where, I mean, this goes back to the principles thing, right? Email's not really the point. The point is the principle of, you know, finding out where people are dropping off and then bringing them back. Yeah. Like you can do with, I mean, one way to bring someone through a sales funnel is to, you know, sell a product and have upsells or something like that. But you could also bring someone through with just a retargeting campaign where if they visit the first page, then you retarget them and advertise the second page to them. If they visit the second page, then you advertise the, you know, the third page to them. Yeah, I just, I think of retargeting and remarketing as email marketing. I don't, you know, it's, it just does the same thing. Yeah. Like a lot of, and, you know, you send a promo to your list. Why aren't you sending that to your remarketing list? It's like this, you can, you can dial it in the same way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. It's cool too how you can, uh, I mean, mo- some people know this, where you can take your email list, plug that into Facebook, advertise to them specifically. Then what you can also do is then uh, plug your email list into Facebook, create what's called like a Facebook or profile everyone on your list, figure out what they like, don't like, so that, you know, the Facebook profile kind of thing, demographic information. Then they'll create a lookalike audience, which is usually about 2 million people that you can then advertise to. So That's super. So I, I started an ad agency in New York. It's called Mineral.io. And uh, we do, you know, we do marketing services for e-commerce retailers, and it's mostly a lot of paid acquisition 
management. And that's the number, you know, that's the top thing almost across the board is like using remarketing and doing the, the custom audiences and the lookalike audiences. So you just, it's as simple. If you're not doing it and you're listening to this podcast, I would say do it, you know, yeah. take your email list, upload it to Facebook. You can even provision the same content, like the same content you, you write in your emails into your Facebook ads. And um, it's just a great, it's, a, it's, it's really high return. Yeah, absolutely. Cool, man. We're, uh, we're right on time here. So thanks for coming on and sharing all this stuff about uh, the, the advanced stuff. I like these RFM frequency, RFM analysis <laughs> stuff. This is good. Yeah, it's great stuff. And I, you know, I, I love it because I kind of geek out on the transactions. But you can, you, know, you can do it with a spreadsheet. And yeah, yeah. Uh, if you want to read more about it, just, just Google RFM and, and check out. There's a great blog by this guy, Jim Novo, jimnovo.com. And uh, he writes all about it. Okay. And uh, if someone wants to uh, get in contact with you, maybe send you an email or uh, visit your website, where's the best place for them to do that? Yeah, it's, uh, it's drewsanaki.com. It's my blog. It's uh, Sanaki is spelled S-A-N as in Nancy, O-C-K-I. And uh, contact me there. I'm on Twitter, at Drew Sanaki. Either of those work. I'll have links to that in the show notes at mcmethod.com. Drew, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks, John. I enjoyed it. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more.